so good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's session of Marketing Crew. And last week we talked about, we were talking about anticipation, uh, expectations rather, uh, and managing those expectations. But uh, it was suggested, a number of subjects were suggested for forthcoming uh, meetings. And one of them for this week was all about growth and scaling the business. And uh, I gave some thought to that. And having a lot of experience working with a lot of entrepreneurs, <clears throat> imagining that everybody would want growth, I've come to realize the majority of people that enter, start a business do not want, they're, they're not even thinking about growth. They're thinking about replacing their income that they had in a job or, or you know, managing their finances. And uh, that in itself can be a challenge, especially as we've been talking about the challenge of uh, the cost of living, et cetera. So what I thought I'd do to begin with is just to share just a few slides to get the conversation going. Um, and it turned out in looking at this, I thought it, it's, gonna, it's turned out into be a really interesting subject that I think everybody needs to pay attention to, whether you're looking for growth or not. So let me just share the, the screen. Um, And let me get you out of the way. Come on. That's it. Should have set this up beforehand. That was it. Right, we, are we there? Not sure. We there? Can we, we see? Can, we can what just we see in? Sorry? What were we looking at? Well, in that case, not a great deal. We can see solutions. Sorry? We're seeing your Zoom, it says Quadrant for Meeting Solutions. Now I'm going to get rid of that. Can we see that? No. No. Right. It's a real pain, this. I wish I knew what I was doing. <laughs> How's that? Yes. Better. Good, 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 good. Right. So um, just for a few moments, I just wanted to share some uh, thoughts and concepts. And uh, if, you'd, um, if you'd like to, you know, jump in, uh, the idea was that we were talking about scaling and growth. And given what we were talking about uh, previously, uh, it would be interesting to know in terms of scale and growth, what are your expectations? What do you want? Do you want to scale and grow? Um, that's the big question. Is that something that you actually want to do? Are you at the stage of scaling and growth? Is your business at the scale? Is your mindset at that stage? Um, 
because we imagine that it's the default for all entrepreneurs. We're encouraged to think that when we start out as entrepreneurs, that we're going to be the next Facebook or whatever. And I don't think that's the that's the case. I've talked to many, many business owners and they get to a stage where they don't want to go any further. I know that I had those ambitions a long time ago until I started to employ people and realized that I was actually paying for them to be employed. I was doing all the work. I wasn't delegating well enough. I probably wasn't managing the business well enough. But um, employees can be a real headache, especially with employment law at the moment. Um, those rules and laws that are meant to protect people have actually put people off from employing people. And when you're scaling and growing a business, you've got to consider other things. But I think the biggest driver is the word why. Why do you want to grow? What is it that's motivating you? Because it's your why that'll get you there. Because in growing and scaling a business, there will be hurdles. There'll be things that stop you. There'll be things that step in your way. And unless your why is really strong, unless you can keep coming back to that, why am I doing this? Then um, it's easy to give up. And you look at anybody that's you, if we were to interview anybody that scaled a large business, they've got a strong why. So I'm going to ask that uh, whether, you know, what people want from their growth in a moment. And if that's the case, their why. So what do you, the question is, what are your expectations from your business? What would your expectations be in terms of growth? So for instance, I've questioned whether, I really want to grow marketing crew uh, in the same scale that I grew BNI and other networks that I've been involved in. Um, and maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, maybe I would have had even larger plans to grow it further afield, but it still enters my mind. Um, but I've got a question again, why? And uh, a number of opportunities have come up recently for a live event in here in Wales. And I'm even thinking, actually, there's a shortage of live events. Maybe there's an opportunity to do other things. So these things cross your mind. And I'm sure growth ideas cross your mind or expansion ideas cross your mind. But what are your expectations from those? Um, it's one thing to have in expectations, but to turn that into action, you need to have specific intentions. You need to decide what I'm actually going to do. The world is full of, uh, especially on social media, the world is full of dreamers, people with great ideas. There's no shortage of great ideas, and most of them have been, have been created. What there is a shortage of is action or intentions to put those ideas into practice. That's when uh, stuff gets more difficult. And... Um, if you're going to consider what intentions you've got from growth or for expanding the business and what your intentions are, there's four key areas that I think we've got to consider. And they're the resources that you have. You can't do everything on your own. I think we all know that. Sometimes we try, but we all know that we, can't, we can only do so much on our own. So what are the resources available or not available to us? Or what are the resources we need to grow our business? Maybe what are the resources we need to sustain our business? And what I'm going to show you now could very well be um, important in just 
growing a small amount, growing to a, you know, to a, to a level that you feel comfortable with. The first one is the time. We've got to recognize we've only so much time ourselves to do stuff. And we do get involved in doing all sorts of stuff that's not very time efficient or doesn't match the intentions that we had with our time. We get involved in trivia rather than priorities, mainly because we haven't established priorities. I'm as guilty as that as anybody else, by the way. So time is limited. We don't have any more time or any less time than Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Richard Branson. They have as much time as us, but they use other resources. They leverage their time. And in the other resource is the time uh, of uh, money. Oh, so the other resource is money. Uh, because money can buy us time. We can employ people. We can employ um, other activity that will create that growth, get us in front of bigger audiences. And um, I'm going to come back to all of these when I've uh, featured them. So there's money. The third area is skill. A lot of people are limited with the skill they started with when they first started their business or when they left school or when they left their employee. Very, very few people in my experience actually invest in their own development or their own skill sets. Uh, I find it amazing. Um, but that's the case. And today in a rapidly changing world, especially one that's moving towards digital, um, not, inv uh, not investing in your skill levels can actually send you backwards. It can send your competitors forward. So you're therefore going back. And in many respects, I said, uh, I, it's clear that people that regularly attend marketing crew are at least looking to develop their marketing skills and marketing awareness, if you like. But whether it's marketing, whether it's the skills of the job itself, what's happening in the industry, uh, that is a resource in itself. It's very important to stay ahead uh, because increasingly clients are going to want more. And finally, strategy. How are you going to put the time, the money and the skill into operation to grow the business? Now, from a time point of view, it's very tempting to work in the business, especially when you're on. You have to work in the business. You are the business. But really, we know we should be working on the business. So that's the first part of the, the, of the whole time element. And I know that uh, Rod, for instance, does have people that he employs, uh, not so much employs, but he, uh, he uses their skills and their time and their labor, um, even on a freelance basis, to help multiply the time invested in his business. He also uses uh, money to, to buy that time. Um, so is it the first time element is, do we have the right priorities and do we have, are we working in or on the business? The money bit is, of course, the challenge. And I've been through that myself, where you get to a certain stage and think, I'm going to invest in more people. But of course, you do that investment before the return. And if the return doesn't come quick enough, you're leaking money, you're bleeding money. So there's a big risk when it comes to any use of your money, whether it's in marketing terms or whether it's in 
employing people, even freelance people, there's a risk involved because you've got to put the money out first before you get a return. The big point there we've made in the past is you need to be able to measure that investment. You've got to be able to measure the return you get from using freelancers. You've got to be able to measure the return you get from advertising. But nevertheless, there is a risk. And that's okay. That's what entrepreneurs do. And if you can measure that risk, you can know what's worked, fix it. You see, you can always get money back. You can't get the time back. Some people are amortizing that risk by joint ventures. And I know we've covered that. And that could be a subject for the future. Joint ventures reduce or at least share the risk amongst others. Uh, but that in itself can be risky because not all partnerships work out well in the end. Depends how you set those up. In some cases, there will be people that don't have the skill sets to grow the business, will be very tempted to go and buy or invest in a franchise. And franchises or, or licensed opportunities can be a good return if you choose the right um, franchise. That could be a good option for people. I know we think about that as something that new people do starting a business, but I found people that have thought, no, actually, that company, uh, whether it's an HR company or whatever, offers the support I don't have on my own. So there's a lot of benefits of being in with a good resource and a, an investment in that area, something that can be sold, uh, could be a good way to grow. Um, or it could be a case of working with uh, associates. So I'm going to end the screen now. And um, let's just go back over there and see where we are with everybody. <coughs> Out of the way. Great. So that's what I've done in terms of thinking about the subjects of scaling and growing. Who wants to scale and grow it? How? Why? Um, and at least those, those are the parameters I think we need to consider. One or two of you may very well think there's other things that need to be included in that, and uh, please let me know. But uh, I'm going to go around. Um, who, is it wants to, who would like to kick off with that whole subject? Uh, in other words, who'd like to kick off and say, yeah, I'm quite happy where I am. No, I'd like to grow. Um, uh, Rod, you've got your hand up. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, perhaps they start, as you say, they replace their income. So it's a lifestyle business, isn't it? You know, and we've all heard lots of uh, stories from lots of networking groups. And I've always said to you, Paul, I quite like Terry, what's his name, from Four Networking. He really kicks them straight in the nuts, doesn't he? And he says, if you, you know, if you're running a business and, uh, and, it, and it's just, it's not a business at all, it's a bloody hobby, you know, I, I, I quite like that. But for me, um, my growth is about future income for when I'm older, if you like. So the old age pension ain't going to do it, is it? It's not being funny. How does anybody survive on a thousand pounds a month if you've got rent to pay? And, and even if you haven't got rent to pay today, you know, if you've got a mortgage-free property, you know, your your outgoings might easily um, equal your income. And so um, older people are having to look to live together, uh, which is just a strategy to survive, really. Um, or they've got to look at uh, future income. So my my plan is to, to grow my business to possibly 100 funerals a year, 
um, and then uh, put some of my family in and also uh, carry on using the subcontracts I'm currently using, keeping a little eye on the business from the background, but being able to step back over the next couple of years so that that business can still provide me with the income that I currently enjoy. So your why is your why your why is about a pension and and uh, ultimate income when maybe your knees give up and uh, or you want to just take it easy. I can't imagine you ever taking it easy, Rod. But so you've got a very clear why. It, it's about the pension and maybe a secondary why is providing for your family uh, an opportunity to take over a thriving business. Um, yeah, that that's interesting. Um. What do we think Rod's got in Wells Funeral Services and Bath and Wells Funeral Services that individuals don't have? Sorry, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean, Paul? What, what, what do you think Rod has in having Wells Funeral Services or Bath and Wells Funeral Services that an individual working as a consultant, as a, you know, in, in you know, um, as say Nick Cole, photographer, or um, Martin, or yourself, what, what does he have? So he's got the infrastructure and the skills and the knowledge. Mm. Oh, he's he's also got a, he's got a brand that he can sell that isn't directly linked to his name. Um, so I think the business can continue without Rod. Yeah, I don't know whether it's just the brand because we've said it's, you know, we can brand ourselves, etc. He's got a business that, that can run without him. And I think that's the biggest challenge when people set up a business. Mm. I, I think, and we shouldn't deride the fact that people that maybe lose a job or they get to a certain, a lot of people that lose their, their you know, that, that are let go at a certain time or, or, or whatever, they set up and, and start their own business and they're looking to replace that income and there's nothing wrong with that but they've not set it up necessarily as a business. There's a trap when we work for ourselves. And the trap is we are, uh, we are the business. And the difference is that because it's Wells Funeral Services and if Rod can, can pivot to take less and less involvement, um, if he puts the structure in place, um, because people are all right, they're buying rod on the marketplace, but there will be a given number of people that are all also finding rod from Google, etc. And rod doesn't need to be there anymore. The trick is, and I've seen this with a lot of people that reach the age of sort of 55, 60, they're looking to retire. Uh, and the only re I was once told, I was told too late actually, but the only the only reason to begin a business is to sell it. The reason to begin a business is to eventually sell it. Can you sell it if you're the sole purple person behind that business? That's what I meant by that, Tracy. And it's a dilemma. It's a challenge. You know, um, when I had the B&I franchise, could I run it without me? Actually, for the most part, yes. There are people that have B&I regions that, have people that are doing that because they've got a highly systemized um, product. The benefit of a franchise is that you can, do you mean to tell me that people that own McDonald's franchises uh, are grilling burgers? They're not. So there's a number, you know, when it comes to what you, it, it all depends on what we want, you know? 
that's for sure. And so therefore, uh, and the, tr the thing is, we, we very often we enjoy, we love what we do uh, so much. We want to be involved or we don't trust other people to do it as well as we do. And thereby, they're the, some of the challenges that we have uh, in, in transitioning between having a business or having a lifestyle, if you like. If you wanted to sell your business, Nick, could you do that? Not in its current format and structure, no. Yeah. I fall into I fall into the second category that you've just explained. Yeah, could anybody could it anybody else uh, sell their business? Right, not right now. But if you continue, could you? The question is, is there why there to do that? And what would you need to do? I mean, Tracy, what should, you just started, you know, uh, you you're in a, an ideal position. I mean, have you thought about what you want eventually? To begin with, you want enough business coming in so you can maybe improve on the sustain or lifestyle. What is your why? So so I've been thinking about this for the last couple of years since I started the business. And I, so let me be clear. I don't have a business. So although I could talk here and say what I do, I do not have a business. Um, and part of that is because my why is about... I want to be so I've been on a journey so the first thing for me is I'm on a journey yeah to see what comes out of that and I'm quite comfortable with that yeah um and so along the way I'm learning and I'm developing and I'm kind of refining kind of what it is I want to do with my time so for me this is about how do I spend my time being purposeful and adding value that's what it's about for me that's my why it's not about Yes, I want to earn some money from it, but I'm not driven by the money. Um, and so I've gone a whole kind of um, a distance of doing things, you know, like networking, doing some of the marketing, kind of getting out on, on LinkedIn and kind of those sort of things. I did all of those because I did not want to do it at the beginning. I was kind of... Um, fearful of doing some of those things because I did not want to show up and be present as Tracy Carter whoever she is because I'd spent 30 odd years being a corporate person kind of selling so so yes and promoting a business and being the face of the business but that was the business that wasn't me Tracy Carter so I've had to go through a journey of really understanding me and how I show up and how I understand my values and what it is I want from this part of my journey. Yeah. So that's been a real part of my journey in terms of my why. So I, I, I call myself a business coach, mentor and trainer, and I hate it because I don't value business coaching as per se, because I, even when I ran my businesses, Yes, I was the leader and I would kind of set it up, but I would roll my sleeves up and I would do what needed to be done to get it to work and take people with me. So for me to kind of um, offer coaching where I'm just talking to somebody, I, I, can, I, can't, I can't buy into that myself, okay? I'm, I'm bearing my soul now, so I shouldn't really be doing this on a business kind of networking thing. But, but what I've kind of learned about the journey I've been on, mine's always been about, 
I want to help others build their business because I don't need to have a business in that sense, but I do want to add value. So I've learned that I'm working with, so I've worked with a number of clients as a business coach and that's been fine, but that isn't what I want to do continuing forward. I haven't wanted to market myself as a kind of support person because I felt that was a bit devaluing. Um, and But I am working with a small business at the moment where the person's got a big why about what he does and he's really passionate about what he does, but he's got, he's got a long way to go in terms of the business um, structure, kind of a lot of things, you know? So I'm working with him to help him to grow his business and I'm only charging him a couple of, a couple of hundred pounds a month, but I'm putting in a lot more time than that's worth, but that's fine because that for me is purposeful and and actually that will also help me to see whether I can make a difference and add value or not you know so because I think for me I've got to it's got to be proven rather than just said and so that's 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 part of it for me and I think I've learned so much along the way like I've done lots of networking and I've kind of cracked that fear so I'm not frightened to go to networking and kind of present myself but actually I don't always enjoy it you know because I don't think there's always value in it. Um, so I'm backing out of some of that. And at the moment, because of my knee operation, I've really stood back and kind of thought, don't do anything, you know, forget forget your business in a sense about whether you're going to have one and kind of what is it you want to do? And so I'm picking up different things and kind of um, working out the best way to go forward. So I'm in conversations with a, a, a big corporate organization about customer services. So I'll be interested to see where that goes and it might go nowhere. Um, I've got some individual clients that I'm doing some work with, but I know what I want to go after is working with businesses to help them expand their businesses, but doing it in a way that's affordable to them. Yeah, That's enough for me, I think. <laughs> Mate, uh, are you are you are you coaching this guy or are you mentoring him? I will be. I would be doing a bit of both actually. A lot of it will be mentoring to start with, and some of it will be training and working with some of the staff he's got and kind of exploring things that he needs to get money in. You know, I mean, I kind of I've seen I've seen a number of businesses now where they've spent loads of money and they're in debt. And they've got no sight of the income coming in, you know, and that is really scary, you know. And some businesses I've chosen not to work with because um, some of the individuals, I wouldn't be able to even talk to them and get through to them because they're so fixated on certain things that you can. You, some people you realise you can't talk to and you can't help, yeah. you know. So it's it's kind of understanding that. But I also because I've 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 got a position where I'm on a a board now so I'm a, a non-executive director on a board and I do voluntary work with the Western Chamber so I've got a number of different kind of um fingers in, in in the and all of this has come through sort of trying to start up my own business so I'm just trying to make sure that whatever I choose to do I'm getting value of it and there's a lot of the things I've done that I've kind of think this is going nowhere it's just a waste of time because some of the infrastructure isn't there and it's not in my gift to do that so, so that's the kind of, you know, the continuous journey I'm on at the moment. Tracy, are you choosing to work with individuals or slightly larger businesses? Because of your background, are you, are you choosing to work with companies that are similar to the kind of companies that you worked for? No, I, I definitely don't want to do what I used to do, because I think the lesson I've learned in corporate 
is no matter what you do and how how great you might have done things you're faceless and yeah when you leave whatever you've done doesn't matter because it's it's part of that infrastructure also there's unless you can get with a big organization you've got somebody really at the top of that organization that wants to change the culture um, you can't penetrate it because there isn't there isn't good cultures in lots of big corporates um, so I'm tr- I'd rather work with smaller organizations where they really want, because for me, it's all about the value of people and customers and kind of the employees. And so I don't want to work with anybody that's not interested in that part of their business, you know, and if, if, they, if they don't employ people, but they want to deliver good services, that's fine, because that's about the ultimate customer experience. Do you think there's a danger that we go to these networking events, we're on LinkedIn and we see people and um, is there a danger that we too readily compare ourselves with other people? Oh, totally. And I did that at the beginning, kind of thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, I went through all the imposter syndromes and stuff as well. But but actually where I've got to now is actually I don't care. I don't need to be like anybody else. What I've got is good enough and I just need to find my own way to to get my brand, my marketing and my messaging out there in a way that's right for me. I think it's a good, healthy place to be. But it's taken, it's taken, it's taken me a lot of time to get to that place. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think maybe it'd be interesting if Rob was on the call. I think there's a lot of mental issues around, you know, uh, the pressure that's on people to conform, to be certain things. Yeah. Um, and I see it in the beauty industry because that, I was in that industry. And I see people that, you know, the especially young girls that are putting filters on and they, they've got to show that face. And, you know, and and if that's all they're doing, it's it's meaningless. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been lucky. I think one of the things um, for me about my past that's kind of helped me with where I am now is, when I was in the corporate world, I would often stand up for something that I thought was important. And so I have had experiences where I've fallen out with the, the whole department, you know, where, where the unions have kind of been kind of asking for me to be sacked, where my colleagues haven't spoken to me and sent me to Coventry and all of those sort of things. And I've had to kind of, and I've stood up because I believed it to be right. And so when you when you're faced with that kind of like so I'm in a sink or swim now because I can either kind of cry my eyes out and go under huh? or and what and, and don't get me wrong because I did cry my eyes out as well but I would turn up for work every day with this kind of bloody stone face on that kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this and I'm gonna kind of prove it and I did all of that and the good thing about that was that kind of developed my leadership skills but it also made me quite a tough fighter. And, and the best the, the best bit to, to explain that is when I was in the corporate world, I, I fought, you know, it was kind of like, tell me I can't do something and I'll bloody show you, you know. When I left that organisation and I was kind of like, now it's what do I want to do? I was like, well, who the hell do I fight with? There were, I was kind of like, I was, I was punching in the room <laughs> because I had nowhere, I didn't know what to do because I'd been used to a particular way of dealing with things. And now I was in this kind of vast kind of open land you know which I and you, I just didn't know where to turn you know so I had to start all over again and almost kind of reinvent myself but also t- take some of the kind of learning and recognize that 
I'm not a nicey nice person. I'm, I, you know, give, give me, give me a kind of, you know, a challenge where I need to fight and I need to kind of be honest and I need to get through it. Ideal. You were a protest leader, aren't you, Tracy? You want, like Dane Cornwall. When I went down to Penzance one day, there was a group gathering on a corner, and I, I went past and said, "What are you up to?" Well, we're having a protest here today. We're having a big protest. So I asked the bloke with the placard. I said to him. Well, say on the placard, what well, protest? Hang on a minute, Sylvia, what are we doing this week? It was, it was a weekly occurrence in Penzance. Fantastic. I love it. I, I think also, coming back to Tracy, I think you go through your time in your life, and I can look back on mine where uh, I didn't have any particular ambition. Then I suddenly, people saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And then I had ambition, and then I wanted this, and then... Uh, you go back and, and your priorities and your whys change. And mine is more to do with making a difference and being remembered for making a difference than it is about anything else. I'm a little bit like, like uh, a lot like yourself, actually, Tracy. Uh, Nick, um, what about you? Um, where are you and, and what are your expectations for your business and this year, next year? Is growth, what does it mean to you? And does it have to mean anything? No, I think, I think my why is quite, quite simple, really. I'm not, I, a bit like um, Tracy, I spent 30 years in, in corporate land um, and enjoyed you know, nearly all of that. But at the end, of the, at the kind of, towards the end of that process, I definitely realised that I'd been a cog in a lot of big wheels. And what I didn't have was that sense of, purpose and, and kind of value or motivation really you know we brought up a family and financially you know in a good place but, but I think working in life is more than that isn't it and so one of the big why that I had for leaving corporate land and setting up a business was was having more control more kind of creative freedom um more kind of zest for life and I think it now what I look for is kind of creativity um waking up every morning and enjoying what I do but making enough money that I can you know continue to do the other things you know out of work that I love doing as well so it's for me it's not just about the money and, and I'm not looking to build a business to sell it in in 10 years time I'm looking to generate sufficient income to allow me to have um you know a great work-life balance um and I've you know I've got other financial provisions in place that I can I can kind of fall back on later because I've been lucky enough to have a 30-year corporate career yeah. um but i want to make you know a really strong success of the business that i'm building so for me it's really just about um making a continued success of that and working with great people collaborating with people and having that creative freedom to, to develop as a person while developing the business and it really is as simple as that um i don't think i need to kind of kind of frame it anymore um no, I think I, I think sometimes that simplicity is actually quite quite healthy. You, you know where you're going, and um, yeah, I'm not looking to become the most successful photographer in the world, or, or become a ranking, or to have franchises, or to um, sell the business. Because as you say, currently, I'm currently the business is is me. The value is in me. So unless I completely restructure and remodel the business, there isn't a value there in selling that business beyond me. So that, I guess that is a question I need to consider over the next kind of two to three years as I continue to build the business. Um, but it's not well, my plan at this point in time. Um, 
none of us know what the future is going to bring um and and we can be certain that it will bring change and how we adapt to that but you know being having being happy and content and having good relationships i think is a priority you know you've got to think why are we here on this world in this world why are we here against all the odds um and um, I can't remember the quote now, but it's, I think it's an American quote on the independence, life, happiness and respect for the others. And, you know, I think, you know, let's face it, a lot of people in the world don't have any of those opportunities. So we should be grateful for what we've got. We should be grateful for health and all of those things. But I think you go through stages where that's not important. I know when you don't, you want what you don't have. Um, I found and I, I know when you set out when I left home I wanted a house and then I wanted nice things in there you want a nice car to impress people and eventually when you find yourself you realize that none of these things are that important anyway and I have friends that still uh, have you know that you can tell from the conversation that who they know and and who you know what car they drive is is very important to them um, and I drive a four-seater smart and I love it I don't, you know, I used to drive Mercedes, et cetera, but not important at all. Um, I think one thing, one thing that is interesting, Paul, is if when I look back at my corporate career, I wish that I'd had more of that focus on the why when I was in my kind of 20s. And I'd actually established that why and driven my career with a really clear why back then and all the way through. I think we don't always do that, do we? We, we kind of go through a school, university kind of, in, you know, if you go down that route, obviously everyone comes from a different direction. I think having that why earlier on, I think, can send you off on, and then maybe that's where the the Bezoses and and yeah, you know, such you know, they're so successful because they've got such clarity on that why so well, early on. You, you, Bezos and your Steve Jobs of that, they've got whys because they end up as entrepreneurs. Uh, the employee, they don't want them to have too many whys that wander off the corporate, you know, you're there to do a job. You're doing there to earn, uh, okay, earn money for you, but you're there to earn money. I, I was actually watching a lecture yesterday on uh, Marxism and socialism, and this guy was from a university, and the way he was talking... I found myself yelling at the screen and I turned it off halfway through. Not that I'm against studying, you know, what Karl Marx was on about or socialism. I'm not against any of those things, but they seem to be just one-sided, you know, that we're talking about the entrepreneur that puts X amount into a, into the resources, you know, the stuff that you need. We're talking about a chair. And so, so you know, let's say the cost of that is a hundred pounds, hundred units. So you want the machinery to make the wood uh, and then you've got the people to make that, to turn the chair in. So you sell the chair for 200, the chair then for uh, 50% of that hundred needs to go back to make more chairs. But actually you don't earn the other hundred. He's talking about the, the socialist approach. You don't earn it. And I think, well, hang on, why the hell would the guy risk making chairs? <laughs> so anyway, that's an aside. Uh, there's one person on here that has always come across as being valuing his sanity and his, his lifestyle. Um, and that is Ollie. You, you, you seem at a very young age to have a very clear idea about what's important to you. Uh, given what we've been talking about, you know, what, where do you come from on in this discussion? 
um, I like being called young, and I'm, I'll be 38 in a couple of weeks. So. 38. So compared to a 75 year old, you're young. <laughs> um, 38. <laughs> it's uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, similar to Nick, I think in terms of yeah, I I definitely see yeah what I do is allowing me to enjoy the things outside of work as well as enjoying what I do. I think it's really important. Um, yeah, in terms of growth and things like that, like I, I think I said last week, I was I always never thought I would want to kind of grow the business or have employ anyone or anything like that. But I, I'm kind of seeing the benefits, you know, what a difference that could do, you know, like, you know, Rob's sort of saying the people that he works with that help him out and enable him to kind of create the business he's got and can take the pressure off. Um, but it, I think it just adds such another, for me, another level of, complexity and stress you know maybe short term while you while that all gets put in place um but maybe the long-term kind of benefits from it could uh, could outweigh that but yeah for, for me I, I think um long-term kind of thing I, I think i think scaling in a way and i think I touched on this last week that is sustainable so that not having to uh, always kind of get work in and things like that that there is a kind of steady amount there um and I think, again, for me, I've got some projects where I want to create kind of, um, I can't remember the name of the word, like a passive income that comes in without having to do, you know, a huge amount that I've got a couple of websites I want to set up where in theory should bring in a reasonable amount each year. But at the moment, for me, time is the biggest thing and finding some time to do those things is quite hard. Um, and that's, yeah, my own uh, fault of just saying yes to too many things and so I need to kind of yeah that's probably in terms of um, sort of growth and scaling I think for me it's it's learning to maybe just bring it rein it back a little bit um, I was uh, a chap I've working with with some design work he's said that he could work for like for me but then you know sort of like a grand plus a month outgoing for that which is kind of kind of doable but it's just yeah I just don't know whether I'm ready to kind of take that plunge yet with um like this is only I've just gone done my first year kind of working for myself and I'm not sure I'm ready to kind of for that kind of um expansion just yet I think I want to maybe see another another year or two just me and then see where I am and then see whether it's worth kind of um yeah expanding in any way like that but I think growth can mean different things I think sort of like Tracy's sort of saying like can mean not just expanding but in terms of your own growth and for me I feel like I've learned loads in this first year of working for myself and I'm, I'm kind of seeing that maybe as for me is the growth that will happen over the next year or so is how I can adapt myself personally to kind of working for myself and managing my time and stuff like that if that makes sense yeah when you were talking there, there's a couple of things crop up. First of all, that um, actually growing and expanding need not about, you know, you, maybe the first thought is about the extra money that you will earn, but it's not always that. It's the extra people you can serve. You, want, you have a particular, you very often see it, people with a strong message, a strong why, they want to reach out and change people's lives. Um, then you can change more people's lives. You can contribute to more people, the bigger you are or the bigger the reach. Um, 
the more more of the audience you can get in front of, you need more to support that. I mean, that, that that's for sure. Um, I think the other thing that is difficult is that if you don't have the strategy in place, it's very easy to think, yeah, £1,000 a month for a designer is doable, but then you've you've got to think, well, that £1,000 has got to at least make me another 1000 or another 500 or another 2000 and therefore, will that does that free me up with the time to actually go out and find more clients? That's for sure. Mm. Um, if you were doing that, you'd be far better off having a freelance salesperson or a sales agent working on a percentage, growing that business, and that particular guy working on a freelance <clears throat> basis in the meantime until he gets to a point where there's so much business coming in that on a regular basis and a, a sustainable, measurable basis that you can afford to do that. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, still, I, I still have the corporate mindset when I first started that I had to have an office, that I had to drive a car that was commensurate with the senior manager car I had, that the PA I had was earning the sort of corporate money. And I, I literally, for months, I was paying out money um, and I wasn't paying myself. And that is was naive and ridiculous. Uh, so nowadays, uh, I, I would certainly do things a lot differently. Mar, uh, but thanks for that, uh, Ollie. That, that, that's interesting. Uh, again, it's probably worthwhile exploring that, that why. But I mean, this is no, there's no pressure for anybody to grow their business. That's the main point I'm making. It's what you want. What are your expectations? from your business and why you're in business. Uh, and sometimes the why could be a fear. It could be an ambition, something you've always wanted to do. Um, I'll tell you in a minute where mine has shifted slightly. Martin, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm probably the same as Nick and Ollie. I, I don't sort of see myself, but I'm not interested in kind of growing my design business into a studio or anything like that but just I guess my first concern is making enough money every month and getting a consistent stream and then which will kind of enable me to enjoy a little bit more work-life balance I'd like to maybe outsource some work but like freelance um you know like VAs or that can help with um you know your marketing or and stuff like that but yeah I don't at the moment I don't see myself employing somebody I wouldn't um I the business I had in London I set up with a friend and he was a um he was very good at uh, getting new business in and he was very good at schmoozing and talking so it sort of the partnership worked well so if there was any feeling of wanting to grow, it would be maybe teaming up with someone like that if the right opportunity came along. But then that, that situation fell apart. You know, the, our relationship sort of turned sour and I kind of left and went to top nest. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to be careful about that as well. Um, Do you know why it fell apart? Um I think I think when somebody's a friend, or there were four of us who set it. Initially, it was me and this other guy, Nick, and uh, we then then we 
then teamed up with a some a technical director and but we were all friends and you know when people have sort of life of things go wrong in their life you tend to rely on them as where you take it take advantage of the fact that they're friends so everybody would be slacking just because they're mates so there wasn't I think ultimately that was probably what didn't work I mean in that time my first wife died so I kind of fell apart a bit but because I sort of thought oh they're just mates I can just do what the hell I want he's then his life went wrong and he was you know he went off the right you know and it it just didn't you know, didn't have a formal structure, if you like, because we were friends. And in the end, the whole thing just sort of unraveled. Um, so, but yeah, if the if the right person was there, I that was the only thing I would want to. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think when you're bringing a team of people together, you've got to think who's bringing what to the party, and who's driving that who's seen as the person driving that business. I suppose while you're saying that, I'm thinking about bands, music bands. I'm thinking of the Beatles, for instance, um, and how Paul was the serious one. He he would bring the others into line. Um, But even they broke up in the end. And I think a lot of bands have have broken up for that reason. They come together for one reason, but I suppose you'd have to it'd be a good study of, uh, of the Rolling Stones and uh, from a management point of view and how people have been brought together. And despite some changes in the band, they've sustained, despite some complete drug over, over and, and uh, drug overuse, they've stayed together, you know, and they're still performing. Uh, yeah. And I, I think when I mentioned about joint ventures, uh, and I said that if you want to amortise the risk of money and investment, so you amortise that, you can go into a joint venture. But joint ventures can be risky. Partnerships, I had a very bad experience in a partnership. uh, um, That can be risky in law. And relationships can break apart. Friends can, you know, let's face it, uh, marital relationships break apart. Uh, so certainly business relationships can break apart. So I think, I think having joint ventures, there is some risk in that in itself. That's for sure. Um, Rob, Rob Savage did uh, a very good session at the beginning of this year. Uh, and I can't remember all of it without referencing, but I know it's that that actually gave me time to step back and think a little bit more about what I wanted out of my years, if you like, because when you reach my age, you you and you see people, um, mind you, the, uh, the the football agent I can't remember his, how to pronounce his name, Raiola, uh, he died at fifty-four, but that's probably because of abuse. So die at any age but nevertheless i think i'm going to go on for some time yet but you begin to say what do i want to do with your time and uh I, you know um oh <laughs> hello oh right <laughs> keep dodging 
Now, you see, we're not talking about this 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 young lady, uh, uh, Otterly, has got the whole life ahead. Would we want to swap places? I'm not sure I would. (laughs) She's lost her head. All right. Monster Grandad's glasses. That's what it is. (laughs) But but that 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 made me think. uh, You know, because your life is built around your business and what else you do with the time that you've got. And um, I'm always on something. I'm always on uh, a, some sort of learning. I, you know, I'm, I'm naturally curious and I'm naturally want to do, you know, I, um, I naturally want to do things and fill my time. And one of the challenges I've had is separating the minutiae from what is the priority determining and that's why i pride setting out what what exactly do you want what do we want from this next 12 months what are the priorities and what is it how do we divide our time up what do we spend our time doing um and therefore what if you know what your priorities are you know what to say no to because they will steal your time and i've not i've always found it very difficult to say no Found it very difficult to say no. I'm not going to do that. People ask me to do something, I'll do it. If I'm doing something, I'll go the extra mile to get it right. I, I must be the only person when they text. Uh, I don't always check the spell checker, but I ch- check the pronunciation and the apostrophes and things like that. And it's ridiculous. Um, and I, I thought to myself, what is it? Do I what what? It, my ideal week. Uh, I love doing, I love marketing crew and I, I love being, making efforts and I, I love people's stories and, and uh, seeing if there's any way in which I can help people grow. That, that's a given. Um, and part of me says I'm happy with the one group, but part of me also says there's a lot of more people that can do with some help. So that is still on the agenda. Um, Recently, Wells Golf Club have, have approached me, approached me, and I went to meet, a meeting last week. They want to have a business meeting in Wells. Oh, no! There are no business meetings in Wells at the moment, apart from the chamber. And uh, I've told them my terms in terms of starting something. And I'm thinking there could be something in that. Not weekly, maybe fortnightly. Um, that would be quite, that would be good. I'd, I'd have time for that. But I just want to spend time, the rest of my time, I've got a camera. I've got my phone. I've got my uh, DJ action. I've got my drone. I've got my Lumix. I want to know more about that. I want to, you know, master that a little bit more. I'm not frightened of doing that. So what do I want to do? So I've started. So I've launched. I've got a bit. If you, I've got videocrew.uk. I've actually set up a one page at the moment with some of the photo, some of the ways in which businesses can use video crew. And slowly but surely, despite having that imposter syndrome, because I'm in the company of professional photographers, I realized I've got a reasonable eye. Uh, I'm getting used to the editing. And I've got the balls, if you like, or the guts. Don't normally say that. I've got the guts to go out and do something, you know. Uh, I haven't got my confidence to charge what Marcus charges yet. But I'm not bothered about that because money's not the priority. Um, But... um, I've actually been paid several times for doing uh, things, and uh, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't afford the rent on here on what I charge. But you know that's something I like to do. You know, so it's it's questioning what, if you're not doing your business, what else would you want to do? It'd be a good question for Rod if he wasn't doing his business. You know, is is freeing the time up 
um what would he want to do with his business maybe do tour de france or spend more time that's the big question i'm not going to france you've got to have that balance haven't you do you want to travel well, i i used to i used to like traveling i'm not sure i'm, I'm that bothered about traveling at the moment unless it's in the uk so what what else would you like to do rod with your time that you're not doing um i think <clears throat> i think in the moment i'm happy doing what i'm doing I, you know, yeah. I like my Wednesday on the market. I like my Friday night out with the boys, mucking about, taking the piss out of everybody, just generally being a bad boy. Um, and then the rest of the week, I try and be serious, but it's quite difficult. Um, and uh, I just try, I, everything I do and touch, I want to try and make a difference for, for the people that I'm working for, you know, serving, if you like. But long term, I suppose, <clears throat> I'd like to go on a bit of a journey, you know, go and find and uh, visit places that uh, perhaps some of my children are because, you know, they're, they're fragmented these days, aren't they, children? They're here, there and everywhere. <clears throat> and then maybe do a bit of travelling, but I want to do that on my own. So I need to somehow on the way, I've got to somehow grab some sort of a female. Hopefully it won't be a male. I want to be a female, really. And um, try and persuade her to come with me. A willing party, Rod, hopefully. <laughs> Well, you know, I you see, traveling on your own is no fun. I've done a fair bit of that myself. But um, I can just see you on one of these shearings coach holidays because you'll be around lots of people. You can tell the stories. Yeah, yeah, so that, you mean well, all these just coaching stories. <laughs> when, when I listen to Divine Comedy in the shower, the National Express, I think that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I'm laughing away and I'm thinking, I hope no one can hear me because I live in a block of six flats. <laughs> What about what Nick? Nick, you you've highlighted what you like to do. You like to travel. You like to walk. Is that you know? Are there, are there any unmet ambitions on a leisurely point of view? Things you'd like to do? Bucket list stuff. Yeah, no, I think as I kind of maybe step back a bit and work a bit less, I'd like to. While the body is willing, I will I will travel as much as I can. I, I did. A, I took one of the big things I did when I was how old was I? Thirty. So shortly after getting married, but before having children. I, I took a break, break out of my kind of corporate life then and I travelled for a year around around Asia. Um, and I think once you've done that once, you've always got that wanderlust bug in you to kind of go out and do it again. And then kind of life takes over with children and you know, my children have finished university now, so that responsibility isn't there. So I think the opportunity to travel again um, would be fantastic. And, and combining, you know, I, I love, I've done some kind of scary Alpine Via Ferratas, which are those days have probably passed me now because those are properly scary. <laughs> and if you fall, you you kind of you fall and you don't bounce back. So um, I kind of want to do stuff that's kind of within my um, my kind of fear zone now. But um, yeah, I, I love climbing and walking, so I'd love to get back into maybe the Himalayas and do some trekking out there and just travel, you know, travel around the world again. But and do I've, I've never been to South America, so I'd love to go to South America and travel around that continent. Um, and I think the world, as a photographer as well, you know, aside from doing business storytelling photography, you know, travel photography is also magical just because you meet amazing people and capturing that and the colours that you see and the colours. And the light. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm, and I'm a big food person as well. So the combination of photography, food and travelling are my kind of sweet spot. If I can, if I get all three of those, I'm a happy bunny. There's a, there's a couple of people on on. on um... YouTube that do that, uh, like food travel. Uh, yeah, and some of them are fantastic, aren't they? Absolutely amazing. 
Um, but while you can, um, when my firstborn, uh, Tim, was born, and uh, he's, what, 45 uh, this year, uh, shortly afterwards, I was at a conference and I made the announcement and one of the regional managers came up to me and he said, make the most of him because he's only on loan. And that is so true because eventually they live their own lives. And it's the same with saying, I'd love to go in. I'd love to go to Cuba personally. I'd love to go to Cuba. Uh, I'd like to go back to the Far East, but particularly Vietnam. Uh, that, that fascinates me. I'd like to go to Japan. Uh, I'd quite like to go to China um, but and St. Petersburg, as was. Uh, so there's lots of usually history and, and colour, et cetera. And somebody today's posted that they've gone to Mauritius on, on, on the social media. And I've been to Mauritius. That was lovely. Um, but you do, you do eventually wake up one morning and think, hang on, I'm running out of time. And sometimes you're running out of energy and the effort to do it. I mean, I, I used to go to the States every year. I'd like to do coast to coast the states. There's lots of places I haven't been into in the states. Um, so if you're thinking of doing it, just book it, do it. Um, what about Absolutely. you, Tracy? What What are the things you like to do apart from your electric bike? And given that your knees are in good shape in the in the next couple of months, you know what what other things do you like to do? So, <clears throat> so I like quite a simple life to be honest, but I do like to travel. So. I wouldn't want to do all the kind of walking and hiking and stuff, regardless of my kind of knees. Um, but but yeah, I like to travel, I like to visit different places and just kind of almost kind of just just sightsee, really. But that would probably be, you know, in a car rather than walking um, or cycling. But doing something where always involves coffee and cake, you know, but it's that kind of whole thing about just enjoying the time and being present because, I think, you know, I've I've worked long, long hours and I've always been busy rushing through life. So now I like to just take it a bit easier, but do different things and kind of see different sites and just just in you know, me, me and my, my husband, we have a good relationship and just doing things together is great. You know, we're both very content with that. Yeah. Uh you just reminded me there. I I, I love the Lake District and uh actually now that I'm fitter than I ever was. Um, I, I wouldn't mind going back and doing some nice walks there. Um, but it's been because of lockdown, it's been a number of years, about three or four years since I've been to the Lake District. It's amazing the number of people who have never been to the Lake District. What about you, Martin? What do you like to do when you're not working? But um, music, isn't it? Or, or is it? Is yeah, it I do like music. Yeah, it would be quite nice to have time to practice more. And I enjoy cycling. I wouldn't mind doing some cycle touring, walking, I like mountaineering, sort of climbing in the snow, sort of, yeah, like Nick, I'd love to do the Himalayas. And maybe eventually sort of set up a business where selling, designing posters and T-shirts and, you know, so you kind of have a, it's sort of more like an income coming in and it's a, creative thing so you create something that you hope someone will buy rather than a client telling you how to design something that you, that would be probably my ultimate um position but i think i need to make some money first do you know that <clears throat> i can't I, I must look it up um 
T-shirts. There is a, a site that costs nothing to register with. You can submit your site um, and you can then start, let's say it's on a T-shirt, you can then start selling those T-shirts. The order goes to them and they'll ship out one, two or whatever. So there's no financial risk at all. Yeah, that would be that would be great because you you sort of think, oh, well, if it's going to cost a lot of money if you sort of decided to go for it and and you've obviously spent a lot on the outlay if nobody buys them. So. Nowadays, it's, it's not necessary. In fact, yeah. I'd looked at that when I was in the Lions. And uh, if you if if you just wanted, if I maybe I do that next time, uh, I, I go to one of the uh, business focus. I'll do a, a sweatshirt with video crew on the back or marketing crew on the back, yeah. marketing crew on the front, video crew on the back, because uh, you, you can design it and just do pay for one. You know, so it's, I'll, I'll look it up, uh, T-shirt site. What about you, uh, Ollie? When you're not working, do you do anything else? Do you actively, on purpose, take some time out? Yeah, I just want, on Martin's point, so quickly about T-shirts, um, T-Mill is a really good print-on-demand company where you can create your own shop. And I think they just take a proportion of it. And a friend of a friend, uh, I think it was Christmas before last, he designed about... I did about 50 different designs of T-shirts based on kind of quite um, current things. So it might have been about COVID or stuff like that. None of them sold about one. And he made about 20 grand just that one kind of Christmas, just selling these kind of T-shirts, this one kind of style of T-shirt. Obviously, you know, um, resonated with people. So there is, you know, there's massive potential there. If you can find, you know, you, you do like a cheese and wine party for Boris or something like that, something that that's going to tap into what people are into or find amusing at the moment. I think there's a huge amount of um, potential there. Um, yeah, for me, uh, uh, lovely, yeah, I love when I'm not working, uh, meditation, yoga, walking are kind of my thing. So I'd like to do more time, like my practice of meditation and yoga is something I'd really like to um, increase my time doing that. And would love to go on like a meditation retreat or yoga retreat. Um, there's some beautiful ones in Portugal. And places like that, which are kind of uh, yeah, long term, long term goals of what I'd like to do. Um, also into kayaking, and I've got we've got an inflatable kayak at the moment, and we want to upgrade that this year into two rigid kayaks. So that's a kind of plan, and also we want to get a, a scooter, so like a Lambretta kind of thing. All another, right, another kind of uh, <laughs> thing like to kind of do this year, but yeah, mainly kind of simple stuff. So like yeah, like much like Nick and Martin, you know, just kind of walking and, yeah, just being out in nature is kind of like a big thing for me that I would like more time sort of spent doing that, yeah. Well, you're in the right part of the world for sort of yoga and meditation. Um, do you go to a yoga class? People tell me um, I ought to, people tell me I ought to go to yoga because of its stretching. And... Yeah, we used to. Um quite a few years ago and then we started just doing a home practice for that um and found that quite useful we've quite like you've got space to kind of to do it at home um and then with meditation i'm part of a buddhist group a local buddhist group so that's quite a big thing for me as well i'm on the kind of the steering group so the organization group and we meet up twice a month and that's something which i kind of really enjoy and um helps again with kind of work and focus and mindfulness and that kind of thing 
I, I'd actually be interested in knowing more about that. When I lived in Froome, <clears throat> and I'd been to, to on business, I'd been to Thailand uh, two or three times with clients, etc. And I was I was really taken with the Buddhist. It's not religion, is it? The Buddhist movement and. Mm. I went through a phase of people, you know, of describing myself as if people want to know what religion, I would say Buddhist. And I, and I lean more towards Buddhist than being a Christian. Mm. Um, it's just, a, but it's not a religion, it's a way of thinking. And mm. when I lived in Froome, I used to go to the Buddhist uh, med- uh, retreat in Bradford-on-Avon for the, uh, each Wednesday for silent meditation. And uh, that was, you had to be interviewed for that. And... Uh, they wanted to know why I wanted to do it. And I explained and they said, fine. And uh, so I, I could go for a trial for so many weeks. And you had to be there between 7.15 and 7.30 the doors because there is a Buddhist retreat in Bradford and Avon on the hill, not right opposite where the thatched place is as you're leaving. And um, at 7.15, the doors opened. At 7.30, they shut. That's it. If you were late, you were late. You couldn't get in. And um, it was silent meditation for 35 minutes. Sorry, 45 minutes. And I found that extremely valuable. Um, And then you had tea where you could talk. And then there was a lecture. And then it was for half an hour. And then it was the other way around uh, the following week. And I I enjoyed it. I thought the control and uh, and that. So I'd be quite interested. Where I've been... Uh, you know, walking around the back streets and up the tour, uh, I've seen the odd thing about Buddhists and I've, I've just not done anything about it. So let me have some details. I wouldn't mind, you know, checking that out. And I remember I remember going to the uh, being interviewed and I said, is there any, you know, should I prepare for it? Is there any books? And he says, we've got a library downstairs and there's books to purchase. So I offered him money and he said, no, we don't. He didn't touch money. They don't touch money at all. They don't have bank accounts. Uh, at all, and I think that was amazing. You know, uh, sounds like the sounds like they like they like banks like I do. I hate banks. Um, I know oh, they do, they just don't they just don't they don't have bank accounts. They don't have to. I mean, life goes on, and and, uh, and but it was ages before I noticed there was a notice there what what they could do with you know that people could come along and give you know. And I just, I just, I've, I've always found that way of thinking was more in the way of the way I think naturally, anyway. So, I do, I do enjoy that. There's some interesting things out there. I mean, the, the, the other week, as you know, Paul, the chap that died up the road here, um, and he was a Quaker. And yeah. um, when I went to see the family, uh, as far as they were concerned, my job was just to dispose of the body. There was going to be no sort of traditional service or anything like that. And they had a gathering at the Quaker House in Street. And from what I can gather, there was quite a few hundred people there. You know, and they, they, they I, th- I suppose they just celebrate his life in their way at that venue. And my job was just to dispose of the body, which is what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what we've, <clears throat> I don't know what, we, what everybody's got from this, but <clears throat> I'd started out with thinking about the whole subject of, scaling and growing realizing that you know that's not in everybody's ambition and ambitions change as you go through life and it's one thing to dream uh, and it's one thing to think i'd like to do that someday whether it be business or whether it be travel 
but you've got to decide on what your priorities are. <clears throat> you've got to decide on what is important to you and how important that is, your why. Uh, it's going to be led by your why. Why do I want to do this? And then you've got to set some intentions, some priorities, and start saying no to other things because there's 24 hours in the day and this stuff, <clears throat> other people's stuff will fill that time. That's for sure. Other people's stuff will fill your time. <clears throat> Should have had a glass of water. There'll be distractions. Sometimes I'm reading something on a, on a your digital newspaper and I think, why the hell am I reading this? It's of no consequence. Sometimes we share stuff that we think is interesting, but is that cluttering up other people's thoughts as well? Um, and I think they're the, they're the challenges, but as, as one or two people on the call have said, is we've got to do what makes us happy. And uh, that should be the overriding felt thing as well. But making sure that we've, I'm afraid, money's still the exchange, except with Buddhists. Uh, I suppose money doesn't determine happiness. Some of the happiest things you can do cost nothing. So... I don't know what anybody else has got from the meeting, but I'm going to go around the table rather earlier than usual uh, today. But uh, Rod, was there anything you've got from today? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm now going to be desperately looking, not desperately, but very, very, um, I'm going to try hard to find someone that would link up with Martin, who would be meaningful, who would um, perhaps help him in a lot of ways that maybe he, uh, you know, I think that there's lots of um, job in salespeople out there, but someone you can trust, you know, sometimes they, they have a, a sort of a, a, not a dark background, but a dark shadow, you know, you need someone really um, that, that can do the job the way you want it done. Because being a creative is, is special, being someone that can sell things, probably isn't that special. There's a lot of people that can sell. Um, and then the other thing for me is like, I mean, I'm looking at the picture of my unit there and, Every time I go to my unit and I put the key in the door, I think, is this something to do with me? How did that happen? Is that my vehicle? You know, it's just, it blows me, really. And driving up to Chill Compton from Wells and driving back, thinking, how lucky am I to live here? What on earth what did I do in France? What was I doing there? Stupid. I think, I think that, uh, nice reflection. That thought towards Martin is, is very right. I, I don't think there are a lot of good salespeople around, and I think that creative creatives generally are so focused on that creativity uh, that the sales part is where the challenge is. 